in today's world, you want the best of the best employees and the best of the best want flexibility and they want boundaries. And if you're hiring and somebody doesn't have boundaries, I would start to question, hey, are they going to get burned out? It's not even just about like, oh, they want to have their own time and did it. No, they may get burned out. And that's not what you want as an employer either. Mama! Welcome to Mama Has Goals, your weekly reminder that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your dreams to take on the role of mom. I'm Kelsey Smith, mom of two boys, wife, and entrepreneur who's passionate about helping other moms, current and aspiring, to reimagine mom life. I'm bringing you the resources, support, and relatability to debunk that limiting belief that you may have about your ability to achieve your goals while raising a human. We're covering everything from mom guilt, marriage, relationships, careers, finances, mental health, physical health, you name it. Your life doesn't have to fully shift once you become a mom. You can have it all, and we'll show you how. Mama, thanks for tuning in this week to the Mama Has Goals podcast. This is your weekly reminder to reimagine mom life and rediscover your multifaceted self. I'm your host, Kelsey Smith, and I'm so excited that you are here. I know as moms, being able to pop something in your ears while you're doing the dishes or the laundry or going for a walk, maybe in the car, laying in bed for a little bit longer, sometimes that's the only time you get to really pour into yourself. And that's why I feel so passionate about sharing resources with you in this way. In case you're new here, I want to give you a brief overview of who I am and what Mama Has Goals is, because it is so much more than a podcast. I am Kelsey Smith, and I founded Mama Has Goals after I had complications with the delivery of my first son that had me questioning, if I hadn't woken up from that, what story would I have left behind? Through my own self-discovery journey and wanting to pursue my highest self alongside motherhood, I knew I needed to help other moms do the same. So now through our podcast, our phone app, which is free in both the Apple Store and the Google Store, on Instagram, through virtual and in-person events, I help moms normalize mom life with the help of other amazing resources and community members to support you, whatever you're navigating and going through, because we are so much more than mom. If you'd like a little bit more info, you can check out the trailer episode, or you can send me a message on Instagram. I would love to connect. I am so excited to bring all the new things that we have been working on behind the scenes to you. And one of those is our monthly action guide. So in the free phone app, you can head to the events section and look at the monthly action guide, which each month is going to have a different theme to help you really hit that highest self alongside motherhood. This month, our theme is quality time in the holidays. And we're talking about small daily things that you can do in your home and for yourself to really reimagine this time of the year, pour into yourself, make real quality memories, and re-identify what's important to you. So go download, check that out, and let me know how navigating those different action guide prompts is for you. If you'd like a little more support, you can text podcast to 707-347-0319 to join our text list and get some weekly motivation from me. 
I am so excited to bring this episode to you. Andrea Sager is joining me today. And Andrea is a small business attorney whose true passion is helping other entrepreneurs meet their fullest potential by leveraging the power of law for an affordable price. I know that hiring a lawyer can seem like a really expensive cost. So I love what Andrea and her team are doing over at Legalpreneur to give you a platform to allow yourself to get the legal support you need in your life and your business to make sure that you and who you're helping and supporting is protected as well. In this episode, we talk about all things supporting yourself, whether it's Andrea's a single mom, her first business, becoming a lawyer, navigating being a mom now, questioning if she really wanted kids, doing her own healing journey, and now how she also helps other business owners through contracts, the Legalpreneur platform, her book that's coming out, her podcast, and so much more. We talk about the top mistakes that people make when starting a business, how to protect yourself, and ways to protect your family and navigate all the things. This is such a good conversation with so much value. You definitely want to dive in and maybe even grab a notebook. You can connect with Andrea on Instagram at the Legalpreneur, spelled T-H-E-L-E-G-A-L-P-R-E-N-E-U-R, as well as on her website at thelegalpreneur.com, all available in the show notes as well. And of course, follow me at Mama Has Goals. And let's dive in and welcome Andrea to the show. Andrea, I am so excited to have you here from being at your event and just being in your energy, seeing how you navigate this great giant business alongside motherhood of your two kiddos and really single parenting at this point. I'm just super excited to dive into like actual the logistics and legal of business and how we can all protect ourselves in our lives, but also just share how you show up as such a role model for so many women and for your daughter and your son. So just thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I want to just take us back a little bit. Like if you can talk about what brought you to your journey as an entrepreneur and a lawyer. What brought you to make that decision? Because going to law school is no small feat. So what brought you to be like, you know what, this is my path? Such a great question, because there's two different answers. What took me to law school and then to entrepreneurship. So I went to law school because I wanted to make a lot of money. Like I was just like, oh, I want to be rich. Like this is my path. I'm going to be a lawyer. And then I quickly realized I was at the big firm with the dream job on the 38th floor looking. I could watch the Cincinnati Reds game from my office. I'm a huge baseball fan. So that was like really cool for me. But I was miserable. And I like that was it for me. I literally went into this job thinking I'm set for life. Like this is it. I'm going to be married to my job. And my ex-husband was actually staying home with our son at the time. So it's not like I was the main breadwinner. I was the only breadwinner. And immediately the first week I was there, I was like, this is awful. Like, I I just remember that first week it hit me all of a sudden. I was sitting in my office and watching all of these old white men in three-piece suits walking by. And I'm like, they've been here since they were my age. Like, I can't sit in this chair for the next 40 years of my life. I, I, I can't. And so I, I started my first business in law school. I had a clothing boutique. And that grew. We had a brick and mortar store. We manufactured. And then I sold it when I started at the firm because I knew that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. That was just like to get me through law school. And I thought the law firm was, I thought that was it. I wanted to make partner and everything. But from that first business, that luckily has led me to everything, every step of the way. So at the firm, a lot of those business owners came to me 
asking for help. They were all small businesses and normally they just couldn't afford the rates. And then finally I had somebody that was, she was like, I, I need help and I want you to help me. I don't care how much it costs. So I'm over here thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a rock star. Like this is my place. I'm just going to be a rainmaker here at the firm. And then I had a partner tell me to my face, we don't want small businesses. They're not quality clients. And I was seeing this consistent flow of people that needed help, but nobody to help them. And so that I think a lot of us have these defining moments in life, but that was it for me. I knew, okay, I can't be here anymore. Like there is something else bigger out there for me. And sometimes we know what we're supposed to be doing, but we don't go do it. So the universe just kind of like pushes us out there. And so it was a, we were in Cincinnati at the time. We were planning on moving to Houston. That's where my family is. And it was a Monday. We put our house for sale. Wednesday, I, t- I was texting my husband at the time and I was like, I'm, I'm miserable. I'm ready to quit. We have enough money to hold us over. Like, can I quit? Like right here and right now. Like I was ready. And he said, why don't you just wait until we have a contract on the house? That way we know what's going to sell. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, okay, fair enough. Like totally cool. Friday comes around. Friday morning, my boss and the managing partner walk into my office and immediately I know what's going on because I'm like five minorities rolled into one. So I knew that if I got fired, I would get a severance package. So I always tell people that I manifested getting fired. And that's what happened on that Friday. I was literally days away from quitting. And I instead got fired with the severance package. That night I launched my firm, announced in some Facebook groups that I was in with those other business owners. Immediately I had my first client and that was four and a half years ago. That's amazing. And so your son was born at the time. You didn't quite yet have your daughter and you had already had another business. So I'm actually just want to go back even farther for a second. So how did you start the clothing store and miss the law school and all of those things? Because that definitely probably was the entrepreneur bug at the beginning. So I'm just super curious to unpack that a little bit in starting that with your son. I always say that that first business kind of like ruined employment for me because I had the, I had the like taste of freedom and working for yourself. But when I left college, so I'm going to start back in college because I did not have to live like a poor college student. I was in the Kentucky national guard. I was in the army. I did ROTC. So I actually made good money in, in college. And because I lived on campus for free, I ate for free. I was making like $2,000 of, I had just $2,000 of disposable income every month, which as a college student, I I had everything. And I literally spent all my money at Express. And when I left, when I was leaving college, going to law school, you can't work. And I literally had no income. And so I was like, okay, let me sell all my clothes on Poshmark. So I started selling on Poshmark. And then my husband loved going to thrift stores. So I would always tag along. And then eventually I was, you know, selling on Poshmark and I finally found some things and I was like, huh, I wonder if I could sell it, buy this here and sell it for a profit on Poshmark. And this was before like flipping clothes was really the big thing that it is now. So I was doing it way back in the day and I was like an OG on Poshmark. I've spoke at Posh Fest, like uh, all that. And then I built, so I started flipping clothes and then I saw these people on Poshmark buying and selling wholesale. They would buy wholesale in LA and then sell it on Poshmark. So I was like, oh, I want to do that. And then I was like, well, I just want to start my own website. So it just kind of like 
spur, kept spurring and one thing led to the next. And then I had my own online boutique and then we kept growing and then we opened a brick and mortar store and then we manufactured. Like it was this whole like transition and transformation throughout my law school career. And then when I got the big firm job, I had told my husband at the time, I said, I'm not having a kid in my first five years of practice because I want to be married to the job. That was my goal. Like I didn't, I never even wanted kids, which I say that now and I I didn't want kids, but now it's like, I effing love my kids and will do absolutely, like they are my best friends now. But like before them, I didn't want kids. I wanted to be married to my job. So I literally had that conversation with my husband. I said, okay, I will have a kid now. And this is, I had said, like, this is your kid, but like, you're the primary parent. And I had Thomas, who's my son, my last semester of law school. And so once I started at the big firm, my husband quit his job to stay home and take care of our son. And so that that's kind of that whole transformation there. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it so much. But I think those are such important things to talk about. Like how I think so many people think that people just are like, I'm going to open a store. But really it started from Poshmark and all these things and how that's transpired to you speaking on stage and all of that. And then the conversation of also saying, you know what, I want to be married to my job. Like that's so powerful. And the fact that you were able to take that power and have that conversation with your husband is huge. I think we should normalize more of that. Like, that's amazing. And I'm so happy you guys navigated it and figured it out. So you went through, you quit the firm slash got fired. So bring us from there. That was, you said, I think about four, a little over four years ago to where we are today. What has transpired since then? Yeah. So, and actually one thing that I didn't mention when I, so when you graduate from law school, you study that whole summer to take the bar exam. The day I took the bar exam, which was like July, and I didn't start until I think the beginning of October, the day before I took the, started taking the bar exam, I found out I was pregnant and we were not trying. So Thomas was like five or six months at the time. And so I'm freaking out because I'm starting this brand new job. I didn't want to be pregnant. And I, I call the firm and they're like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry. And two weeks before I actually miscarried. So before I actually started at the firm, I miscarried. And so when I start this job, I find, you know, I tell them like, hey, I'm no longer pregnant. And there were so many things said to me that are like not supposed to be said. Somebody had told me like, you can't get pregnant your first year. If it looks like the guys are getting more work than you, that's just how it is here. Like so many little things like that. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to be telling me these things. So very quickly, I learned that law firm was a very toxic environment. Luckily, I did get out, which was to the, to my benefit. I, so I launched my firm. We moved to Houston. And I'm slowly growing the firm. And because when we moved to Houston, I took the Texas bar. And that's a crazy story. I found out again, I was pregnant. Or no, 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 I didn't. I didn't know I was pregnant. And I thought I was miscarrying at the bar exam. Like it was the craziest situation. And so like when you take the bar exam, you type all your essays at the exam, but you go home when you're at Wi-Fi and submit them online. Well, it was a crazy experience. Everything I was going through, mis- like thinking I was miscarrying and I never uploaded my exam. So my Texas bar never got scored. And so I'm like, I, I was studying for the Texas bar, slowly building up my firm. And then finally, I was like, I actually don't need a Texas license. So I just went all in with my law firm and built that up. And things were crazy because I just grew so quickly. But I attribute that to actually having the marketing experience 
from the first business. And so when I say like that first business has led to everything else, like it's so true. And I'm so grateful for that first business. And so it ended up, I I was pregnant. I didn't miscarry the second time. And so then Allie came along, my daughter, and it's just been a wild ride because I used to always tell people I didn't want to have kids. Well, first of all, I didn't want to have kids. And then I got married and I was like, I'm not going to have kids. So I'm at least 30. And then by the time I was like 28, 27, 28, I was done having kids. (laughs) And business took off. Like when I had Allie, I remember that first month. So I had her in March of 2019. I had, I think that month that I had her, I brought in like 12,000 that month. And then March 2019, 12,000. December 2019, I brought in 55,000. And so there was like tremendous growth that year. And immediately, I mean, attorneys were reaching out to me that, can you help me? Can you coach me? Can you mentor me? And for so long, I was just like, I like, I, I don't know what to teach you. I didn't like, I never thought there was anything special about me. And I still don't think there's really anything special other than just like, this is what worked for me. And what I have realized for attorneys in particular, and a lot of professionals, like they're great at their craft, but they're not great business owners. And from the very beginning, I put a huge emphasis on marketing and making sure that I was growing a brand, growing an audience, not just providing a service. So that's amazing. And I'm just like blown away on how you've navigated all of this and through so many different things. But you've had some, let's say, decisions or changes of direction along the way. So do you want to talk a little bit about how that came to be for your family and how you navigated through that? Yeah, so I, and I look back now, everything that we did we were just running away from problems in our marriage. And it wasn't necessarily, I mean, it was our marriage, but it also had to do with just us as individuals. I decided that I was done with the marriage. I left September, 2020. And I, of course, I've had two years to like look back and do all the healing and figuring out like what went wrong, whatever. But, uh, and I never, I didn't leave and say, oh, it's your fault. It's this or that. Like, no, I very much walked away knowing I have so much healing to do. He has healing that he needs to do, but he's a very typical man in the respect that he doesn't believe that he needs healing. And that's why I finally knew like, I have like, I, there's nothing else I can do here because he's not willing to put in the work and I actually cannot put in the work while I'm in this environment. And so I, when I left, I've literally the past two years has just been a deep, deep, deep healing journey. And I have learned so many things that I had no idea that I needed to learn. And in that process, I, so completely transparent here, when I first left, it was the hardest thing being a mom. Because at that point, I was still stuck in like, okay, I love my kids, but I didn't want them. And I want it like I want to build this empire. And so it was really hard for me to reconcile all of that and really continue to be who I wanted to be. And then even just like parenting, like I left when Allie was one. And so being a single mom to a one-year-old and a three-year-old, it was hard. Like there are some days I was like, like, what the hell? There were so many days where I was just like, I'm ready to just like run away to LA, run away to Phoenix. I, because I knew I'm like, man, if I didn't have kids, I would be living in Austin or LA or Phoenix. But after so much healing work, like I'm so 
happy and actually really proud of myself because now I'm to the point where I'm like, I fucking love my kids. Like we have so much fun together and I'm so happy that I can just like bring them along whenever I want. They can like, they get to see everything. And like, and it's so funny. I just had this conversation this morning with someone because I forgot who I was talking to, but she's pregnant and she found out she's having a girl. And I was like, girlfriend, let me tell you, when I look at my daughter, when I parent my daughter, it's not that I'm parenting my daughter. I literally see my three-year-old self. And it's such an amazing healing experience because I'm able to just remind myself, like, how did I want to be treated when I was three years old? How did I want to be treated when I was acting like this? Because a lot of family members are like, oh, that's Andrea Jr., Andrea Jr. And I just tell them like, y'all act like that's a bad thing. Y'all are so lucky to have two of us. <laughs> and like, how great for her to see your confidence in just that even conversation right there, but everything that you've built and what you've done. And the other thing that I just like got chills thinking about listening to is think about if you hadn't gone on this healing journey, if you hadn't gone through these things, like how that would have transpired for the rest of your life your kids' lives, all of those things. And now that I've actually met both of them, danced with them, and seen you be on stage with them, like I know how like an amazing mother you are and they're watching you step into your business, yourself, your identity alongside motherhood, which is like truly what we talk about here. But it is so cool to hear the backstory also because I think so often people will be like, oh my gosh, that mom is just like, a badass lawyer on stage with their kids. And you are, you 100% are, but it didn't happen overnight. And it came with a lot of decisions and a lot of work and a lot of things. So I just like want you to just like take a second and be like, oh, I'm so proud of myself, which I know you are. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a journey. And one thing that I want to, I don't want to forget to mention because this is like, this always gives me chills thinking about it. When I first left my ex-husband, I, when I tell you I went down like the healing rabbit hole, like anytime I could research something, anytime, like, and I got, it started looking up a lot of my astrology signs and which I can't tell you a ton of stuff, but there was one thing that I looked up in particular, you know, like we have our rising sign and this and that. And there was one sign in particular that I was, I remember I was reading up on it and I had such a hard time like accepting it because it said something like, oh, your true meaning, your like true meaning of life is like being a mom. I mean, and at this time I was struggling being a mom. And I was like, what does this mean? Like, what? Like, no, like I didn't want to be a mom. Like, I don't even like, I'm so struggling right now. But now I look back and I'm like, this, like this, like I am not even just like proud to be a mom, but I'm proud to like have my kids and actually like my kids, actually love to be around and like hang out with my kids. It's been a lot of hard work, but I'm here and I'm so grateful for all the healing and the whole journey. So before we dive into the legal stuff, I would love if you have like a couple pieces of advice or things that you do because I can see that working really well in one season, but our kids change and they grow and then we get new challenges and new things to work through. So do you have any like self-care practices for yourself or parts of that healing journey that you continue to like revisit regularly to make sure that as they're kind of triggering you with new things or bringing new things up to you that you're continuing down that, that space? Yes. So number one is always making time for yourself. Like I love my kids, but at the end of the day, like I have to have me time. So my kids, they're about to go. And actually I 
love having my kids 50, 50, because that 50% that I have with them, I am 100% present. And my clients, like everybody knows, do not mess. Like if Andrea has her kids, like you will not hear from her. I don't work. I don't like I'm with my kids, but the other 50%, I am hundred percent me like dedicating to myself. And so this coming week, I'm actually very grateful because my ex, he's taken the, he's a teacher. So he gets the two weeks off. They're going to go see his parents in North Dakota. And then I'm taking my solo vacation. So just take, making sure that you are very intentional to stay true to you and your authentic self. One of the big things that I learned in my healing journey was that I was not actually living my life's desires. Like I knew like, okay, I desire these things, but I wasn't actually honoring them and taking advantage of them. And so that's one thing that I've learned. I'm like, okay, if I have a desire, it is my duty to fulfill that in this lifetime. And so honoring who I am and just always being in alignment and then surrendering. So I I think I mentioned, I just finished reading The Surrender Experiment by Michael A. Singer. And that has been huge for me because we all have that voice in our heads. And what I learned from that book is, we have to learn how to ignore it and just surrender because I believe that whatever is presented to us, like we just have to lean into it. So I, you know, we put out the intention, we put out like, Hey, we desire to have this. My intention is to do this, or my intention is to make this decision and whatever is presented, that's how I'm going to make the decision. Yeah, that makes total sense. And the thing that comes to mind is just like truly taking that time to reflect. Because if you don't know what you desire, you don't know what you want to make decisions on, you don't know what that is for you, then you can't do it. So allowing yourself to have that solo time. And if you are separated, and you don't have your children 100% of the time, utilizing that time, because I could see it being really a recovery session rather than like being proactive on how to set up for what you need. So I totally see that being really important. Is there one thing that you just know is like, this is my favorite thing to do when I don't have my kids? Like, what is your favorite way to celebrate yourself? I love to play poker. I play a lot of poker. And that is me. If I'm either working, I have my kids or I'm playing poker. That is my release. That is my like de-stress. That is like, that's my thing. And I actually didn't play for about eight years when I was married. And when I left, I was just left thinking, I'm like, man, what did I used to do? And then I remembered, I was like, oh, I used to go play poker. Kelsey, the first time I went after like eight years, I literally walked in and I was like, this, like, this is what's been missing. And I've played several times a week for the past two years and I will never stop ever again. So, and that's honestly, it's allowed me to really lean into owning what you desire. So like before when I, obviously I was married and he didn't want me to play poker. And I'm like, oh, I need to honor what he wants. And now it's like, no, I actually need to honor who I am. And if I have a partner that doesn't want me to do these things, then that's not the partner for me. Yeah. And that reminds me that we skipped over part of your story. So last thing before we dive into like some <laughs> legal questions is you bought a poker club. <laughs> I did buy a poker club. So I, I mentioned that I went to, I went to play again uh, two years ago. I'll never forget. It was actually Labor Day of 2020. I went to this poker club and I used to play back in the day, but in Texas, gambling is illegal. And 
now there's like this gray area, which why there's all these poker clubs now in Texas. But back in the day, I would go to all these underground rooms, all these illegal poker clubs. I was a high schooler going to all of these poker clubs and people are like, um, you're too young to be in here. And I'm like, it's illegal anyway. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So I started going again and it was a lot of the same people. And it was just so fun and just meeting, like catching up and this place, my main place that I go to, it was on the verge of shutting down. And by this time, I got my brother a job there. So he was like giving me all the inside scoop. And so I told the owner, because I didn't want it to shut down. Like there's other places around, but this place, it was just very like, it was just like friends getting together, having a good time. Like nobody's professional. Like we just, we're just there to have a good time. So I didn't want to shut down. And so I told the, the guy that was running it, I was like, hey, I want to buy it. And he was like, well, I don't know. I got to talk to the investors. Da, da, da. I bought it and I had a part. So my business partner, who's my best friend, we ended up buying it 50-50 because I, I had my businesses. He has his businesses. And we were like, hey, we'll just share the load. And so we did. And we ended up selling it for 10x of what we bought it just a few months later. So cool. And my favorite thing about these conversations with you and just the healing and everything is the duality of that with legal. I think there's so many misconceptions about like what life can look like as a lawyer. And I love that you just kind of like redo it, whether it's with the kids or your healing journey or the poker parts of it. So with that in mind, you're probably one of the best lawyers out there because you have all of that perspective in real life coming into it. So I want to talk about just like the setting yourself up for success. And I want to talk about life and business and like contracts and how they're in every part of our life. But I want to start with businesses and small businesses, because I know that's what you're so passionate about. So can you give us an overarching explanation of like LLCs, independent contractor, freelancer, S-Corp, all the things, and what do we need to do? And should we be going in and going to LegalZoom? Yeah. So number one, don't go to LegalZoom. (laughs) So for every business, every small business out there, there are three core needs. And on top of those core needs, every business will have different needs. But for the most part, every single business has the same three. That's your business entity, your LLC, your contracts, and your intellectual property. Your ideal situation as an entity, which is how you legally operate, is to be an LLC taxed as an S-corp. And an LLC, it just stands for a limited liability company. This means you personally are protected from the debts of your company. Because if you're a sole proprietor, there's you as an individual and there's your business. You are one and the same. There's no degree of separation. So if you accidentally do something in your business that causes it to get sued, you're also getting sued personally. You don't want that to happen. And of course, you may be thinking, oh, but I don't have any assets for them to come after. I don't have this or that. Okay, maybe that's true right now, but the goal is to have assets. The goal is to make money. The goal is to have this dream life. And so why would you risk your future for what happens now? So the LLC is there to protect not just what you have now, but what you have in the future. Because if you're operating, because I a lot of people say, oh, wait, so you're making this much money or you don't have any assets, it's not worth it. But here's the thing. Today's day one. Maybe you started your business today and somebody said, hey, wait, so you're making $100,000 to file the LLC. 
So you're waiting. And then tomorrow you blow up on TikTok. Now you're making a lot of money. And then day three, you remember that you're making a lot of money and you're like, oh, let me go file that LLC now. And now you're you're good, you're protected. And then day 100 or year two, year three, whatever comes along and you get sued. And you're like, okay, well, this sucks, but hey, at least I'm an LLC. Personally, I'm protected. But the lawsuit is for what happened on day one or day two. So even though at the time of the lawsuit, you're an LLC, you do not get that protection because you were not an LLC at the time the act happened. So in order to get protection, no matter what happens, you need to be an LLC as soon as possible. And it's going to protect you for years and years to come. So don't wait. I think you need to be an LLC as soon as possible. Just get it done. Just file it. It's really not that big of a deal. It's very simple, straightforward. You can DIY. You can pay a third party like legalpreneur, or you can work with an attorney. Any way you do it, just get it done. Yeah. So one of the things that I learned was that there are different LLC fees in different states. So do you want to talk a little bit about filing in your state or out of your state and what that could look like? And can someone come and go through you, even if they don't live in Texas, to get their LLC set up? Yeah, so legalpreneur. So now, so I had Andrea Sager Law. Now we're fully in legalpreneur, which is similar to a legal Zoom. I like to think we're gonna do a better, like we do a better service than legal Zoom. But, anyways, we're basically like a legal Zoom, provide legal resources, services directly with legalpreneur. There's no attorney client relationship, but we do have our legalpreneur membership, which does get you all access to your own attorney. But the reason, if you're, so if you're a small business, I know you've heard like file in Delaware, Wyoming, it doesn't matter. If you're a small business, just file in the state that you're in because Delaware gets you favorable laws, courts, taxes, Wyoming, there's no corporate tax. But the thing is, it doesn't matter when you're a small business owner. And if you are trying to save money, if you file in Wyoming, now you're going to be, or Delaware, you're going to be responsible for double fees, double maintenance, because not only do you have to file there, you also have to file as a foreign entity where you live, where you are actually operating the business. So I tell a lot of people, it is a case-by-case basis. There may be reasons why you should file in those states, but for the most part, if you're a small business, just file in the state that you live. And another big one is California. People are like, hey, how can I avoid that $800 franchise tax in California? And they're like, can I file in another state? I'm like, yeah. And then you pay their fees and California fees. The only way to avoid the California $800 franchise tax is to leave California. Thank you for that. So there are a couple like basic contracts, things that anyone that's operating business should have. I think that there's typically like three to five that people name off as like, before you sell anything or do anything, make sure you have these. Will you talk a little bit about those? Yes. So when you have a website, no matter what, you need to have your privacy policy and terms and conditions. Privacy policy, it governs the private information you're collecting, how you're using it, how you're storing it, et cetera. Your terms, that's the contract between you and the visitor of your website. And if they can purchase on your website, it can also double as the terms and conditions for the purchaser as well. If you're a service provider, if you're just sending contracts, you always want to have a service contract with your clients. Anytime value is changing hands, that's when you want to use a written agreement. When you have people help you, if you're hiring people, 
always have a contract as well, whether it's an employee or an independent contractor, always make sure there's a written agreement. And we're not talking about contract, written contracts. That way you can pull one over on somebody or screw somebody this way or that way. It is literally there for clarity. It's clarity and laying out the rights and duties to both parties of the contract. Because we've all been there, especially you can correlate it to a romantic relationship. You get into a new relationship. You have an idea of where you want this to go. The other person may have a different idea, but you think you're on the same page or you may think, oh, this is what is expected in a relationship. The other person has their thoughts of what's expected in a relationship. Unless you clearly lay out what you both believe, it's different things. Same thing for running a business, entering into a contract. You may think, oh, this is what's expected of me. And they may think, oh, this is what's expected of me. But unless you have that on paper, you're not going to be on the same page. Yeah. And I think being able to go back and reference it too, and it doesn't always have to be a bad thing. I was recently working with a contractor and I was like, what did we agree to again? I have to go back and like, look at what are in the terms. And it wasn't like a bad situation. We were just both like, how can we work together the best of our abilities? And what did we even put in here? And do we want to change it now that we know each other better? Do we want to change our agreement to have it be a little more fit to our relationship? And I think it's just being able to go back. We're all busy. We have a lot in our minds. Like, what did we agree to? <laughs> what is on paper? <laughs> I think that's important. So with that, there's often mistakes that people make, right? And we know that we need the contracts. We know we need to have an LLC, get those things set up. But what are some of like the other top mistakes that you see new business owners make? So there's really two other big ones, and this is going to fall under intellectual property. Number one is using photos that do not belong to you or you don't have permission to use. So we've all done it. You find a photo that you like on Google or Pinterest and you use it, whether it's just on social media or on your website, wherever. That is copyright infringement. And that is the fastest way that I see business owners get in trouble. That's the fastest way you're going to get a cease and desist letter. So to avoid it, either have your own photos taken or take your own photos or just get a proper license, which is just permission. So the, you know, free stock photo sites, use those. Canva, they're great. Just make sure that you're going about it the right way. Because even if you're nobody now, like I said, they may be waiting until you're bigger or until your brand is bigger. So many times we get clients that get a cease and desist letter and they're like, they just sent me this cease and desist letter that was used like years ago and da 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, it, it actually doesn't matter. It's still there on the internet and they can still sue you for it. Yeah. So with that, if you have a license to one of these places, like I have a license to Hotstock, which is a stock image thing, also Canva. So are you then allowed to use everything from those sites without anything else? Like all you have to do is pay the people, you download it and you put it up. Are you good? Or is there more to it than that? It depends on what their contract says. So for the most part, Canva, you typically always can use them. I don't remember all the terms off the top of my head. If you, So my podcast is the Legalpreneur Podcast. I did a deep dive into all of the Canva licenses like way back at the beginning. So if you want like details, like plain language details, go back and listen to those episodes. But typically for the most part, yes, on Canva. And then most other websites, it probably is okay. But you really, I, we just don't know until we look at that contract. That's good to know. And then let's say you find an image on the internet and you know, okay, I'm not definitely not paying for this one. I definitely don't have rights to it, but you want to use it. How would you recommend you go through that process? 
then you would have to reach out to the original owner. First, you have to find out who the original owner is because a lot of people think, oh, I'll get around it. I'll just give them credit. But that's still copyright infringement. And one site that you do have to be careful with is Creative Commons and other like third party, you can upload photos to be used because some of them will specify certain license terms and a lot of people won't read the fine print. And what will happen is some people will say, oh, you can use this for free. You just have to give me credit or do A, B, and C. And the thing is, if you don't know that, you don't read that fine print and you just see like, oh, it's, this is normally a free stock photo site. But if they have it in their specific terms, like, hey, you have to give me credit, and you don't give them credit. That is still copyright infringement. You can still be sued. Fun stuff. And again, I think taking this back is like we want to protect ourselves and others, but it's just good to know the details. And it's not meant to be scary or overwhelming, but you want to just, you know, knowledge is power and have that to be able to set yourself up. So the last thing that I feel like people talk a lot about is trademarking, right? When you're starting your business. And I know like I listened to someone speak and they're like, if you love your name, you better get trademarked. And I'm obsessed with Mama Has Goals. So that was one of the first things that I did. But what I didn't know when I started that process was all the different layers to trademarks and that there's different versions. So I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so trademarks protect your branding. Number one is your brand name and then your logo, slogan, anything that has a unique name within your business, it can probably be protected with a trademark. And the thing about trademarks that trips people up is what trademark infringement is because it's not just the same exact name. It's anything similar enough to where consumers are likely to be confused as to who is who. And so you may look all you want on Google, social media, you may own the domain name and you're like, oh, I'm good. Nobody has this name. I'm, I'm free of infringement. But then there may be another company out there that has basically the same name, but a different spelling. So a phonetic similarity. If that's, it's still infringement. I will never forget the first, like right when I launched my firm, I had this girl, she came, she was like, I, I searched everything. She's like, I did everything. Nobody had the same name. And I got this cease and desist letter. I think it's crap because it's actually spelled a different way. And I had to be the bearer of bad news and let her know that even though it's spelled differently, it's still trademark infringement. So no matter what, you still have to make sure that you're looking not just for the same names, but also the similar names to make sure that you're free and clear of trademark infringement. Yeah. And you guys do that for someone, right? Like you can do all the research because I definitely didn't do that myself. So you go. Yeah. 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 So when you go to work with a a trademark attorney, no matter what, they're going to make you do a search. And this is just a pro tip. If you ever go work with a trademark attorney or they say they're a trademark attorney, but they don't require a trademark search, I would second guess who you're working with because no matter what, you need that search. And it's more than your search. It's definitely well worth the money. Because back when I had my law firm, so many people would come to me and like, oh, I already did my search. I don't need to do that. And I'm like, look, I understand where you are. However, I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not going to waste your money. And I have to know that I'm confident filing this application for you. And that's where every trademark attorney should be. So be grateful. (laughs) Just know that the search is necessary. So the search is the first process and then the application. Right now, just so you know, the trademark application process is taking at a minimum of a year. They're just so far behind since COVID hit. And it's not because they were closed. It's because so many more people have 
started their own business. And so they're filing more trademarks. And that's why I'm, I'm telling people, look, this is all the more reason you need to make sure that everything in your business is legally protected. Yeah. And so I think these are, you know, specific to business owners, but there's also contracts that affect every other part of our life, right? And how we show up in different areas. So whether it's us being on the employer end or on the employee end, I'd love to hear about how you can maybe set aside like work boundaries and time boundaries and your schedule in your employment contract. So it benefits you in regardless which role you're in. As a mom, you come in into a business and you are an employee and you come in and you say like, hey, I actually only want to work these hours. I only want to be available this time or on the vice versa is the person hiring someone saying like, I expect you to be available these times. I want to put these in your contract. What are some ways that you can do that regardless of which role you're in? Yeah, so definitely communication. That is going to be your best friend. I also would encourage you if you're on the employee side, interviewing, looking for a new job, try and talk to people that are currently employed at that place. Because they will, especially if they really like you and want you, they will whine and dine you, tell you everything you want to hear. And I can't tell you how many people I actually talked to somebody yesterday who they basically just lied during the whole interview process. And she quit. She's not suing them, but basically they're, she's making them pay her a severance package because they just wasted her time. She she didn't take another job because she wanted this other job, but they lied about everything. And so definitely just doing your due diligence when you're on the employee side, on the employer side, if whether you, depending on what position you're in, I mean, do your due diligence still on the employee to make sure they're up to snuff and saying that they're capable of doing what they want to do, but also having that flexibility. Because in today's world, you want the best of the best employees and the best of the best want flexibility and they want boundaries. And if you're hiring and somebody doesn't have boundaries, I would start to question, hey, are they going to get burned out? It's not even just about like, oh, they want to have their own time and did it. No, they may get burned out. And that's not what you want as an employer either. Yeah, I love that. And I think just like the day we're recording this, we find out that Twitch has passed away from suicide. And I had a family member pass away from suicide a couple, two weeks ago. And so like, allow yourself to have those boundaries and communicate that. Like, I think it's really important to do that regardless of what role you're in to say, hey, I need you to protect your mental health. How will you? And on the flip side of that saying, coming in and saying, hey, I even if you don't know what that looks like for you, say, you know what, I'm not sure how I'm protecting my mental health at this season of my life, but I'm trying to figure it out. So I want to make sure I have space for that. So just a little sidebar, because I think it's really important that we start normalizing that and talking about how to set that into the normal conversation of contracts, because it shouldn't be a reason you don't get a job or you don't take one either. So definitely that. So talking about the other things that aren't always the easiest conversations, how are some ways that families should be protecting themselves, whether it's prior to divorce or after divorce or just in general when it comes to like family protection? What are kind of the top three things that you would recommend? Yeah, so I got very lucky in my divorce. My ex-husband was not like it was a very clean cut divorce, like no fighting over this or that. It was very much like this is what it is and we we're good with it. But it was it could have very easily gone the other way 
and we could have been fighting. I know somebody right now that's going through a complete opposite divorce. And so I think it's very, also very different when you start very young. I mean, we got married at 22 and we literally got married the day after we graduated from college. (laughs) And so we didn't have anything. And I remember he actually brought up a prenup and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, no way, we don't need a prenup. And of course, now I've learned it's to protect both people. It's not just to protect, like to screw one person over or the other. No, it's to protect you both. And if it's too late for a prenup, a postnup. And the thing is, it's not so much of, I don't believe this marriage is going to last. It's you love yourself so much. You don't know what's going to happen. And you want to make sure you're protected at all costs. So prenup, postnup, also your estate plan. This is going to protect you in the event you become incapacitated or death, whether it's you, your spouse, anybody that you're caretaking. It is incredibly important to know what's going to happen in the event of these certain cases. So always make sure you have an estate plan, especially as a business owner. There are other things you need to take into consideration. If you're the sole owner of the business, what's going to happen? And you, it's not just an estate plan for you as an individual. It's also the business. Who's going to run the business? What is the business just going to be liquidated? Who's going to take care of your clients? I very early on in the law firm had a conversation with one of my mentors. I'm like, Hey, if I die, can you please take care of my clients? Because it's not like, of course, like you're dead. It's not a worry of yours and you don't want your family to worry about it. But at the same time, you still care about your clients. You don't want them to be screwed just because there's nobody to pick up and pick up where you left off. So even making sure your whole business has an estate plan in the event something happens. Yeah. So that can be a hard conversation for couples to have, right? So if they're still together and they are like, whoa, maybe we should get some things together. Is there a podcast episode of your own that you would recommend? Is there like a prompting question that you would recommend or just an educational platform where they could sit down and say like, hey, I just want us both to like, make sure we're good and that we have a conversation and we're educated. There's two areas of the spectrum, right? Where a mom builds something really cool. They're doing really cool things and they need to protect that for their employees, like you said, themselves, their children, all the things. And then we have some other moms that maybe aren't working and bringing in their own income, but they still have a right to various things. And being able to have that conversation is probably even harder to be able to come in and have like, hey, I just want to know like how mean the kids are going to be protected or what this would look like. So is there any advice that you have for especially the women in that boat, but really either to take one step? So I did an estate planning episode with an estate planning attorney back in 2020. It is, I mean, several years old now, but that was a great episode to talk about how to actually protect your business in the event of death, incapacitation, or things like that. However, bringing up the prenup or postnup thing is a little different because I actually, so I was the one that refused the prenup. And then I even remember thinking about a postnup and being scared to mention it. But I mean, by this time, my, by this time, I knew my marriage wasn't going to work out and very transparent. It turned out that he, so he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And so I left when I felt safe to leave. And not that I never felt like my life was in danger. I was afraid for his life. I, when I felt safe that he would be okay, that's when I left. So I just, I knew that I could not 
even bring that up. I mean, I brought up marriage counseling and that was just like shut down. So I mean, like I was, that was my situation. But I think if things, it's it's a completely different situation when you do have a healthy marriage. I think it's a completely different conversation. And I think when you both are healthy, you're both really in this together, talking about a prenup or a postnup, it's no big thing. It's like, yeah, I love you so much that I want to make sure we're both protected no matter what happens. Yeah. And so I think for those that maybe aren't in that situation, what I'm hearing and what I feel like is right is like first, just like maybe taking a couple months even to just like come back to like being healthy humans individually and together and maybe pausing that conversation for now because it could be difficult, but coming back to like, okay, how do we connect together and separately and become stronger and having like that first kind of verbal or written contract to support yourself in your home and then maybe come back and say, okay, now that we've worked on our health and we've worked on these things, I think that maybe we should talk about some of these other ways that we can better our lives and make sure we're set up for success. And especially if you have kids, most of you listening to this do or thinking about it, like it's not just about you guys. So being able to make sure you set yourself up in that way, I love that. Yeah, I've seen friends that have actually done this in a very healthy manner. One of my good friends, she, her and her husband kind of separated for a few months, but they both went on their own journeys. Like they both left, kind of stepped outside of the marriage to work on themselves. And now they have come together in a much more lovingly way to even see if they can work things out. But they're in such like, they're coming from such a place of love now that they know even if it doesn't work out, that they still love each other. And they're at the point where it's like, okay, I'm not going to try and screw you over. You're not going to try and screw me over. Let's see if we can work this out. And, you know, she actually, they did introduce a post-nup agreement. And so it's just, it, it really is about getting in a healthy place and getting to the point where you can make sure both parties are protected. Yeah. And I think that, you know, just normalize having whatever those conversations are. Ask your circle, go online. You know, I advocate for this all the time. Go shoot Andrea a message or get into Legalpreneur and be able to like ask questions to people and find your network to support you. And so the last question I have for you is so many people are want to support their kids and their hopes and dreams. And so I just have want your advice for your own kids. If they were to be starting a business and you were going to give them legal advice or business advice on the first couple steps to take, what would you make sure that they are doing? So legal advice, I mean, definitely like the core three, make sure everything's set up. Like that's simple. But as far as like business advice, and I actually, my ex-husband, luckily we are on the same page about this because I'm the one that is setting up like my children's future. Like that is not a him, him thing. But I have told him like, I, cause I don't know if you ever talked about like different retirement accounts, but like for kids, there's the 529 tax advantage account to, for kids to go to college. And I've told my ex-husband, like, I am not going to set them up a 529 account because I don't want to force them to go to college. And he's on the same page, luckily about that, because if, they have an idea, if they have an opportunity to go after a business idea, plan, whatever it is, like I want them to be able, be able to do that. And so like I've set them up an UPMA account. That's their like future, like that's for their future. They can decide what they want to do with that. But as far as business advice, like for my specific kids, it is making sure that you have a plan 
in place. And it's not simple, like just a plan, like oh, I'm going to sell, like have a business, but actually know, like getting down to the nitty gritty of your numbers as quickly as possible. So making sure, okay, you want to have this business. Okay, great. Why do you want to have this business? What is this business going to serve? Is Are you going to have this in the long term? Is this going to be a short-term business that gets you through this period of time? Like my clothing boutique got me through law school. What is the plan of this business? And the thing is, it's not that has doesn't have to be the be all end all. You just have to have a plan because if not, like you're just running around willy nilly doing this or that, because I've always had a plan, but my plan has always changed. <laughs> it always, it always changes, but I always have a plan. I always have a plan no matter. So I'm always working towards something and that something may change. The plan always changes, but I still have a plan. Yeah. One of the quotes I'm living by right now is being obsessed with the journey, not the destination. And I think that's exactly it. Like having the plan for the journey. Is that you have that on your bracelet? This bracelet says enjoy the journey. Yeah, because I think that's like what's so important is have the plan for the journey, but know that the destination is probably going to keep changing. You're going to go different places. And I think that's so important. And I hope to bring that into my kids too, whether it's business or whatever they choose to embark on. But I just want to thank you so much. I just love your energy. I love how you are breaking molds. I love how you are showing up and just redefining mom life, redefining what women can do in legal space, in the entrepreneurship space. Like you're such a role model for all of us, for your son, for your daughter, for everyone and doing it as a single mom right now. I just know that you are going to break even more molds to come. So thank you so much for gracing our audience and our community with your presence and being here. I would love for you to just give us a little bit of how people can work with you, how they can engage with you. Tell us, we didn't even chat about your books. We're going to have to come back for uh, part two once that releases. But give us like a little bit of an overview about what that is and how they can keep in touch before it drops. Yeah. So the book is Legalpreneur, the business owner's guide to legally protecting your business. And that's another thing about following your desires. Cause for so long, I was like, who's going to want to read a legal book? And I was like, you know what? A lot of people, a lot of people are going to need it because a lot of people follow me on social media. They listen to the podcast. And so the book is just one place for all of that free content. So the book's coming out in January. Super excited about that. It's like a, this labor of love that's finally coming to life. <laughs> And But right now you can pre-order it. But besides that, we have so many resources available for business owners. Like my mission in life is to completely transform the legal industry for not just business owners, but also for attorneys. And I'm just very, very grateful that I'm finally in a position to be able to build up both sides of it. And so our, the core offering that I, my favorite offering is the Legalpreneur Membership as a small business, you get all access to your own attorney for under $200 a month. You get unlimited emails, a phone call every month, document review, discount on any additional services, all the contract templates you need. And it's just, it's the service that I know all small businesses need because how many times have you been scared, not scared, but you avoided talking to an attorney because you didn't know how much it was going to be, or you thought it was going to be some outrageous price. And so the Legalpreneur membership is just taking away that fear and just giving you that peace of mind knowing, hey, you can always have your questions answered. You always have somebody to go to. Yeah, so important. And I'm just so grateful that you have that resource for so many people. And we'll make sure to share everything in the show notes here and through the Mama Has Goals community. But thank you so much again, just for being here. And mamas, if you love this episode, please follow Mama Has Goals on Apple Podcasts. Please go follow Andrea on Instagram and also her podcast. 
and make sure that that way you can catch every time we drop an episode to support you legally and also in your mom community. And go leave a five-star review for both of us sharing your favorite part of this episode and follow us on Instagram at Mama Has Goals. See you next time. Bye.